You're listening to The Lively Show, episode 290. Welcome to The Lively Show. I'm your host, Jess Lively, and this podcast is designed to uplift, inspire, and add a little extra presence to your everyday. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. Today's episode is brought to you by FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the bookkeeping software that we use for Team Lively, and I love it so very much. They make it so intuitive, easy to use, and literally, as I've always been saying, it feels like I'm on Instagram as much as I am in my bookkeeping software, just because it's that easy and intuitive and pretty and simple, and it looks like my logo, so it feels like the colors actually, when you load the logo, match the rest of the site. You can change it so it really looks like your back end is actually the front end of your own website when you're in it. And it has invoicing and expenses. My bookkeeper goes in there as well. We can track time for myself and other members of the team, et cetera, et cetera. It was useful when I was doing interior design way back in the day in Chicago for a brief period and needed to clock my hours. There's just so many uses they've thought up for creative business owners. And I'd love to share it with you if you wanna see if you enjoy it as much as I do. I've been a big fan and a huge user since 2012, far before the show even began. So it is truly something I genuinely use and love. If you wanna go over and try it yourself for free for 30 days, you can do so. If you wanna try it for free for 30 days, you can do so over at freshbooks.com backslash lively. That's gonna give you a free 30-day trial to see if you love it as much as I do. Now let's move on. Where am I? I am in London and this is an episode where I have zero show notes. I am just going to talk to you. So <laughs> there is some exciting news a, I am speaking to you as I'm recording this. It's Monday and this is my birthday. So I'm turning 34 or I am now 34. I have been 34 cycles around the sun in this life form. Note is what we call just lively. So that's kind of cool. But in addition to this, one week ago, a new home base has unfolded. And I'm excited to share because I've been doing all of the client sessions, which I've loved so much. And I just wrapped up C-School, which has been so cool. But I feel like when it comes to the show, I haven't really talked with you guys in a while. And I love checking in with you. So today's episode is going to be kind of like a case study. It's going to be part case study, part catch up with you and girlfriend chat, <laughs> and also just kind of keeping you updated on what's unfolding in my life and also here at Team Lively. So I hope you enjoy this and I'm just spontaneously going to tell you guys this story just like I've been telling my friends and give you guys the bigger backstory and picture to how this is all unfolded. It'll kind of be a fascinating journey because as you guys know, I'm living this stuff that I'm sharing with you. This isn't just like, oh, this is my spiritual teaching for the day and then I go back to living a normal life. Like, yes, I live a very normal life, but also it is infused in every moment with applying what I'm sharing with you. So you're gonna see that as I share this story and whatever pops up, I trust will be the right and perfect thing to share for you guys in the perfect way so that this is resonating, like I said, not just as a here's the update with me and here's a cool story, but also here's an example of someone living this in their lives through their own life experiences. So my life experiences will never look like another person's life experiences because I don't believe the universe wants to replay itself over and over again in the same form or fashion. So we all have different experiences and circumstances, but what's unfolding for me, I hope will be useful for you as you possibly consider opening up to this more as we call it in this whole spiral dynamics frame work that I've kind of adapted to my point of view, this burnt yellow, this like towards the end of the yellow spectrum when you're learning to surrender and open up and allow and let go instead of try to control with the mind. You're gonna see the shift that this story is gonna tell in terms of how this condo, this new unfolding, this new direction, this new city, and this new opportunity to do a ton of new things, possibly contribution and career-wise as well, has happened to and through the human persona of Jess Lively. And actually, I think this has all been at a higher level than my mind can understand, possibly been happening through me for very beautiful reasons and very kind of almost possibly specific reasons. I'm not really sure, but I'm going to just tell you the story. So 
the story really begins with Sydney because a lot of people think, okay, Jess, why are you moving? You live in Sydney. You just got there. <laughs> and while that's true, the unfolding began with the choice to move to Sydney. So the choice to move to Sydney began last year. I had spent a lot of time there traveling and having fun as a visitor and enjoyed it and just love Sydney. I do still love Sydney. When it comes to places on the planet that are beautiful, aligning for me, healthy, I have like great friends there, but some of them have moved away, I'll say that. But there's just a beauty about Sydney that I truly love and is very, very, very special, and Australia in general, in my heart. So when I was at Summit, which was a conference I went to last year with my friend Ezzy Spencer, who's been on the show here, and I know a lot of you guys love Ezzy. She gets stopped by Lively Show listeners all the time. She's now actually moved to New York, so if you see her in New York, say hello to her there. Anyway, so Ezzy and I are at this conference and I'm sitting in the like second row with Ezzy at the Tim Ferriss event. I forget, he was interviewing someone on stage and I was thinking to myself, this is supposedly one of the most, or possibly quote unquote should to the human mind be one of the most you know aligning and inspiring experiences of my year. But the truth was that was about my 20th conference of the year and I had been on, as is like year two of my traveling lifetime, if you will, or phase of life without a home. and. I had just left Sydney. I hadn't even wanted to leave Sydney, but I had the trip planned and had booked my ticket. So I decided to go. And I'm sitting there just wishing I was at Gypsy's Coffee Shop in Potts Point, Sydney, and was just wishing that I was reading and highlighting in my book all alone. Like that's all I wanted. I wanted a base. I wanted a place. I wanted a normal life after conference, after conference, after conference, and, you know, inspiring mind after inspiring mind after inspiring teacher and speaker and whatever, and author and neurologist. Like I've done all that stuff. And so it had just been time to shift gears. So I remember as he looking at me and saying, Jess, I think you should come back with me to Sydney like next week. And I think you should just move there. And as he was in the process of relocating there for the time as well. And so I said, no, 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 I can't do that. I'm committed to this flow thing and I don't have the knowing yet. I don't have the knowing yet to where I need to be. Yet every night I would, I didn't even adjust to the time zone in California. I was still in Aussie time. I would leave every day after the conference events happened. I didn't even go to most of the events, but the ones that I did go to, I just wanted, I just was finding myself crying in my hotel room alone, just wanting to be in Australia. So after a few days of that, I finally realized, you know what, I'm going to go there. I'm going to do it. And there was this kind of fear. This is all Jess Lively in Abrahamster mode, too. So this is very season four, Jess. This is back in last winter, last fall. And I found myself as season four, Jess, feeling like I was massively out of alignment. I was massively not aligned with traveling anymore. And the path of least resistance is what I was taking, but I realized it was not from joy to joy. It was from a tiredness, a low point, and the opportunity to rest. That's what I really wanted, but it wasn't from this high peak. Like when I made the conclusion of my marriage, that was a high peak, even though most people don't end a marriage in that place in their life. So that's exactly the right time for us, and that's why it unfolded so well, is because it was in this alignment even the decision to sell the house was scary as all get out for the mind in me. But also I knew I didn't want to come back to Ann Arbor when I was done. I knew I didn't want to travel for the summer and then come back, but I didn't know where to live next. So there was, even though there was a huge unknown that was wildly scary to the mind at that time, there was the desire to not come back that I was aware of. So that part of it was aligning and it became this huge adventure up until this point with Ezzy sitting at Tim Ferriss's event. And then the crying and the tears and just the exhaustion and the loneliness and just wanting to be in a home and have a place that... I could come back to. So in that moment, I remember even in Sydney at one point crying before I left for Summit and I saw aligned numbers. And as you guys know, the aligned numbers comes into play later in the story too. <laughs> 
I love aligned numbers. Now you might go, well, some people look at it from like a spiritual perspective and I'm not against the spiritual perspective of numbers, but I don't look at them for too much information other than I use them with my intuition, inner voice, higher self, soul, whatever you want to call that other aspect of myself. I use it as an indication that I'm in the right place, that I'm on the right path, that something that's happening in the moment I see an aligned number is like a good sign. It's kind of like the way I like to describe it is when I was young, I used to eat those Tootsie Roll Pops. Uh, People outside of the U.S. won't know what I'm talking about, but there are these suckers or lollies that you can get that have a Tootsie Roll, which is like a chocolate fudgy center around a hard-coated lolly or a sucker. So around the wrapper, there are all these, when I was young at least, they had all these little figures and shapes. So there's stars and different old-timey memorabilia outlines of different objects. And I I don't know why, but when I was young in Ohio, my friend told me, I'm sure someone said to me once that the Native American with the uh, headdress and the bow and arrow shooting a star, that if you had that shape on the die cut, on the printout of your paper, because each paper was cut in a different place, it was almost like a quilt, right? So they cut the, the little squares off the quilt. But if your wrapper, your part of the square, had that little Native American printed on it with the star, then that was good luck. Like that was a bonus or almost think of it like you found an Easter egg in your Easter egg hunt. So I use aligned numbers like my Native American with the star. If I've got it on my wrapper, it's a good luck sign or it's like finding an Easter egg in my daily life. So for me, it makes life more fun, a little more whimsical, and ultimately, I use it as an indication of guidance from my higher self. Even Abraham does say that your inner being will use whatever messages you're open and receptive to to help guide you. So numbers don't mean anything to anyone that doesn't want to believe or want to get anything out of aligned numbers. Aligned numbers also, for me personally, are it's a very broad category. It's repeating numbers. It is like 444 or 222 or 111 on the clock. A lot of people see 1111 and they always see, oh my gosh, I see it all the time. So that kind of a thing, or even like a 1212 or 1616, you know, that kind of stuff. Anything like that where the numbers seem to be aligned in some format, like whether they're repeating or whether they have a sequence that alternates, that is a good sign for me. So even in this moment in Sydney where I'm crying and I'm not feeling in alignment at all, I kept seeing some numbers. And I remember at one point crying through my tears and seeing the clock and then going, I'm in alignment even when I'm out of alignment, which was a really fascinating lesson for me in that moment. To know that being out of alignment in terms of the mind and me not being able to understand or be at the emotional place that my inner being was at about the same situation could still be in alignment, that that might still be a part of my path and that it was okay. That was a really cool moment. And so this decision to go to Sydney was in one of those kinds of moments. I just came back to Sydney. I did end up flying back with Ezzy. Ezzy's very perceptive and she was totally right on that. So I ended up coming back with her despite my own disbelief that would ever be possible days before and I decided to move there. I found the perfect place and then I got a visa person to work with right away through one of my listeners and I was good to go. I thought I was done. End of story. But here I am in London, about to move back to the United freaking States of America, which I never thought I'd ever go back to, and let alone to this place I'm about to share. But let me keep going with the story. So anyways, I go to Sydney. I have so much fun decorating my apartment and just doing all those things, going to the coffee shop and reading at Gypsies and doing my writing and all that kind of stuff. Decide to start C-School, which is great, and all these things unfold. And while I'm working with this visa person, this visa person came recommended by a listener, and I by no means hold this listener accountable for what unfolded, but I had zero concern that I had picked the right person. However, this person ended up over the preceding months to lie and become more and more evasive and more and more uncontactable and did a worse and worse job. So in the beginning, there was no real resistance. Like everything flowed really beautifully in the beginning, and I thought everything was set, but the point being that over time, this person would tell me one thing, but like completely different things were happening and I had no awareness of it. So he did not complete the actual application as necessary. And so he lied to me about all of this. I never knew, but then eventually found out in one of 
a very like frustrating and harrowing moment and did get a new person to work with instead to pick up the pieces of the first person's work. Now, the person that picked up the pieces was told by visa person number one that he would pay for the work. And this new person was $400 an hour. <laughs> so I was like, well, at least the first guy is, you know, having this guy clean up his mess by paying for that person's work. So he said he would, and the other person started working with me, who I really love. The second visa person was great. I was so relieved after the first one, and it had really been a whole interesting experience to even work with the first person. And then over time with the second person, as he fixed all the stuff that the first person had done wrong, he eventually stopped talking to visa person number one. The visa person number one totally has now kind of disappeared off the planet, essentially, and never paid visa person number two, even though he said he would. So now going forward, which is totally fine, the onus is on myself to pay for the $400 an hour person. And all of this is kind of leading up to the summer up north in the Northern Hemisphere and the winter in the south. So we decide after I talk it over with my visa number two person about the best plan of action as we're sorting this all out, that I A, knew I wanted to travel. Like I didn't know why except I could say that the logical mind of me knew I didn't want to be in the winter in Sydney. The whole point was to enjoy the summer months, but travel into the Northern Hemisphere during the summer up there. So I knew I wanted to travel and I knew I needed to not be in Sydney. That was a knowing that I rationalized around weather and I rationalized around X, Y, or Z, but there was some level of knowing that I wanted to be in the Northern Hemisphere for a while. And I thought I would come back sooner than later, like two months or so. But then as I kept flowing around the Northern Hemisphere, I kept not wanting in a non-rational way, in a knowing way. But I didn't know why in the mind. So here's the thing. The mind thinks your inner voice knows. Now, the mind doesn't always understand or think about or understand why the inner voice knows something, right? So there are different functions. I've been, I want to do an episode and explain this around scissors and staplers. They're two different things, right? Stapler, staple, and scissors cut. So I'll do an episode later about this, but I'll quickly kind of use this analogy. So the mind in me is like a stapler and the knowingness, the inner voice or whatever aspect of us that has that intuitive understanding knows things. It's like scissors, it cuts things. So the knowing I knew, it was like the scissors were cutting, that it was not time to come back yet, yet the mind didn't, as a stapler, didn't understand. They're totally different functions. And so I could rationalize all day long for you, but all I can say is that the original decision to move to Sydney was not a knowing. It was a sadness of the mind, too tired with the flow for two years. And my God, do I give my mind any just credit for not going further? Hell no. That was insane. The fact that my mind was able to stay open for that long. And then it did find a place that it wanted to be. And I did manifest and want to manifest decorating an apartment in Sydney. I remember being in Melbourne earlier the year before and just seeing this beautiful store called Click On Furniture and this beautiful pottery company called Robert Gordon. And I just was obsessed with interior design there. And I just wanted to design a place in Sydney. So that was a season four, Jess is the Abrahamster manifestation that I wanted to have. And then this whole Sydney thing was basically mind manifestation, the thing I as the mind wanted to have. And it wasn't out of the knowing. It wasn't out of the inner being. But the part that was out of the inner being was I knew I wanted to travel up north and I could give you X, Y, or Z reasons why, but I really logically didn't have an answer. <laughs> and I never felt the knowing to come back to Sydney yet, which people have been wondering, like, what's going on with that? I just haven't felt like going back yet. It's still springtime there, so it's not technically summer. And I just figured I'd come back for the winter in a few months. Like when the weather up north got bad, that's when I would come back south. So all of this continues. And as it was now going to be my job to pay the $400 an hour visa person with no idea of how much this would cost or how many hours this would take, I just was fine with it. But then it kind of, I was reading The Power of Now like it was my job all summer for the period I read it about seven times in a row. And I remember at this one point we were looking into reapplying and so forth and getting the next steps to get, get the visa going. And it started to feel hard with the second visa person. And I remember joking at this point where 
I used to, once I started to have to pay for the $400 an hour guy, which could cost like $20,000. I don't know. And no matter what it costs, there's no guarantee that it'll be accepted because the visa process is not like a just check off these lists. It's kind of like you make a whole proposal and then they accept or deny the proposal. It's not quite like a just do these five things and then you're done. It's like creating a proposal more than it is like a straightforward checklist situation. So there's not even like a straight path to for sure getting approved. But I remember saying and starting to joke about the first guy, the first visa person, I was like, he's either the worst manifestation of my life, because like I could not believe I've never, I've had amazing teammates and I've worked with so many people in so many ways. And I'm just like, this is either the worst manifestation I've ever had or he's my fairy freaking godmother in the chance that I might not be supposed to in a greater sense, a grander sense, not in like a technical sense, but in a soul sense. If I'm not supposed to be in Sydney, he is the only thing that has stopped this from happening. Like this is so far, not that it couldn't have, like I said, we were looking at the paths and it was all going to be sorted out to be fine. But I, I didn't really like the unending $400 an hour opportunity that lay up before me. And as that started to feel a little bit uncomfortable and I'm reading The Power of Now, I'm reading the section where there's a point in the book where Eckhart's like just talking about surrendering and letting go. And I remember at this one point, my second visa person was going on a trip. And so he was going to be away for a while and I was going to have to work with one of his assistants long distance. And I see him filling out the little text bubbles, you know, in the message on your iPhone app, if you can see someone's typing something. He didn't know, I think, how to gracefully transition to saying, hey, Jess, you're going to start paying me for all this time because this other guy has not paid me back for the thousands of dollars of work I've already done, which is totally fine and logical, but he didn't do it in a really great direct way. And so we were texting about it and I saw him fill out the bubbles and then he deleted them. And the mind in me normally, the fight or flight stress response, because it was very stressed by all of this stuff up to that point, it was trying to solve the uncertainty of my future, I guess. But anyways, so I see it. I see the bubbles and I see them get deleted. And I'm reading literally at my friend Diana's house in June, I think this was, uh, the power of now. And it talks about surrendering and letting go. And I just let go. And people always ask me now, like, what does surrender look like? What does letting go look like? It looks like letting go. Like, you just stop. You stop for a while. And that doesn't, and sometimes that means you just sit and watch TV for a while. And you, that like the <laughs> people on the spiritual journey hate that. They're like, no, I used to watch TV all the time. Now I don't want to watch TV. I don't want to just be a couch potato anymore. I used to be a couch potato. Now I don't want that. But it's so funny. Like sometimes there's an aspect of that, an aspect that's a higher level of awareness than just being an unconscious couch potato. That a conscious couch potato is not the same as an unconscious couch potato. It doesn't mean you would never spring into action. You're just not doing it from the mind. You're waiting from the knowing from deep below. So... I see the, the little bubbles, they get deleted. And then I do nothing. I just let it go. I don't continue. I don't reach out and say, hey, you know, you didn't respond to this. I know you saw it or whatever. I didn't do any of that. I just kept flowing. And I reminded myself, was I in Sydney when I wanted to be in Sydney? Yes. Did I want to be in Sydney right then? No. Did I know when I wanted to go back yet? No. Where was the problem? only in my mind. So from that point forward, I started flowing around much more open-mindedly, I guess. Like the mind didn't, I kept realizing that any problem I had around this was just a story. It wasn't actually a problem. So surrendered, 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 kept flowing, 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 went around, went around. And then that was a moment of surrender. But then a few weeks ago, again in Diana's house, I don't know, maybe Diana's house is like, which ironically, by the way, is around the corner from my old house. So literally when I'm going back to Diana's house, when I'm saying this, I'm saying I'm going back to Ann Arbor, Michigan, which you might be going, why is she going back to Ann Arbor so much? Well, A, Ann Arbor is awesome. And Michigan has so much going on in it. I felt it years ago when I was living there. But every time I've come back every year, I've realized that it's just getting cooler and cooler and more and more stuff is happening there. And it's just so exciting to see the transformation of this state and a few of the cities that I grew up living in. So anyways, I'm in Diana's house, this round number two, and 
Now I'm in season five, Jess, as in full swing. And even this whole decision to let go around the visa stuff and just let it sit for a while, because there wasn't like I needed to take any actions. Like there was no action that needed to be taken in that moment when I saw the dots on the messaging thing. That was just the mind trying to push its agenda forward when there was no knowing around the situation. So that was a good moment of surrender, but it got even more amplified in season five, if you will, a few weeks ago. I think this is like three or four weeks ago now in Ann Arbor. I had nothing planned for a Friday day, actually. And I literally had no idea what I was going to do that day. And I was staying in her house alone. She was on a bachelorette weekend or something like that. So I had the apartment to myself and I had no weekend plans at all. So this was like three solid days of unplanned nothingness. Now, to many people that are busy moms or people with jobs and careers that have like a ton of time involved, you're probably like, oh my God, that'd be like a vacation. It totally would. I totally would agree that that would feel like a delicious, delicious unfolding. But in my life, that tends to be more of an ego scary thing than an ego treat for the mind in me. I can just say that. So that said, I've actually gotten better at allowing periods of openness like that. And then in this day, I decide, all right, I'll go get a new laptop or I'll go get a new laptop cover or something like that. And then my friend Vicky, I go to her store and buy some candles from her and she says, don't go shopping. So I was like, okay. I just listened to her and I just decided not to do that because I was just filling literally the time on that Friday. And instead, I went to the co-op right next door to Vicky's store, Heavenly Metal, got an old recipe that I used to make when I lived in Ann Arbor in my own house. I had this gluten-free pasta and this macadamia nut ricotta and basils and roasted tomatoes. And I made that meal for myself. Now, even when I lived in Sydney all the time, like that meal was not something that I would eat frequently. Actually, I don't even think I ever made it there because I never had a blender. So it was a treat to give myself this meal. So I made this meal and then I said, all right, universe, you want me to surrender? You want me to let go? All right, I'm going to surrender and let go epically. Like I'm going to do nothing. Your move. It was kind of like playing chess with my inner being. And I was like, your move. I'm just going to make this meal in delicious alignment and I'm going to enjoy it. I lit all the candles I bought from Vicky's store and I decided to watch Modern Family at 2 p.m. on a Friday afternoon until bed. Like I don't even think I left the apartment. It was kind of a dreary, cozy fall day. So it's kind of the perfect thing to do in weather like that. I wasn't even watching or thinking about consciousness. I wasn't meditating. I was going to do nothing. Just what felt fun in that moment, what was aligning for me was that meal and that TV show. And then I said, universe, your move. So the universe provided and I let go. I surrendered. I was like, I'm just going to see what you have to give me while I do nothing sitting in this house alone. And while I was there, I was on Bumble because Bumble is a dating app that I found very handy as I've traveled. I've enjoyed meeting people, whether I've dated them or whether we've become friends. It's been a great way to meet people. And here I am with three days ahead of me with nothing to do. So I figure, well, I'm just having fun chatting. And I was like, well, I might meet up with one or two of them and see if they might be like any chemistry or just a new friend. So I was talking to a few guys and then this one popped in and he was in town for a weekend football game at the University of Michigan, which was that next day. So he and I hit it off to a degree. So, you know, we're kind of like, okay, let's meet up. He made plans for brunch the next day and we met up and then we really hit it off. We had a great time. He went to the game and like we hung out over the weekend and he ended up living in Chicago. So he invites me to Chicago so that we could get to know each other more because there's no way for us to get to know each other any other way than for me to be in Chicago and he's going back and I had no plans to go back to Chicago. Now, for those that have been following me for a while, you would know that I lived in Chicago for seven years after graduating University of Michigan. I went to Chicago and I thought I'd spend the rest of my life back then. I thought I'd spend the rest of my life in Chicago, but then I've changed so much and transformed and moved around so much that that was the last place on earth I'd ever thought I'd go back to. Well, turns out I go back and forth for two weeks back to Chicago to kind of get to know him. And it was a really wonderful experience in many ways. He's a great person, not my partner, but he's a really wonderful person. And what ultimately that experience showed me, I was like, universe, wait, first it brought me a guy and I was hoping for an apartment. Actually, let me rewind a little bit before this. So 
The week that I was surrendering and eating this meal, I also was in Detroit for the workshop that I did. And I was just falling in love with so much stuff going on in Detroit. So I reached out to a few property places thinking I could make a US base up in Detroit. And I think I three or five places, I, I messaged one, I emailed one, I left voicemails on another, and I talked to someone that said, she'll call you back right away. <laughs> so I made all these different properties. And none of these are the same property. They're all different places that looked interesting. None of them, all four of them did not get back to me. And after the Sydney situation, I said, you know what? If I'm ever going to move anywhere, it has to be laid out on a red carpet for me. There is no way I'm making this hard because after that visa person, number one, I was just like zero tolerance for anything that was difficult or uphill about any type of move whatsoever. So I then did nothing. I surrendered. I ate the meal. I didn't follow up with those places. And then here I am two weeks at the universe gives me a guy that lives in Chicago as my surrender moment. And I was like, oh, my. at first, you know, I was like, maybe this is the one and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm now finally over the partner thing. And then, of course, the universe gives me what I'm now over and don't need anymore because it's no longer at the vibration of not having it. But then when it didn't work out, I was like, are you kidding me, universe? Are you freaking kidding me? You're going to give me a partner for two weeks, but it's not going to be the partner? Are you kidding? Like, I just got over that stuff. Why on earth are you going to bring me back into that crap and that story and then not to even be the person? What kind of sadistic inner being are you? Like, this is just cruel to the human mind. What the what? Like, this is horrible. This is how the mind was, you know, of course, at one point in the Chicago experience feeling. And then the last day of Chicago came and I went on a walk and this walk I had done so many marathon training runs before. The seven years I lived in Chicago, I lived a block away from this trail on the lakeshore and I used to do it all the time. And I walked all the way from the river north where the person was living to the old places I used to live up in Sheridan between Wellington and Belmont. So I went and looked at all my old places. Now, I haven't even thought about these places in years because I've been doing so much stuff traveling the world and like I've just kind of feel like I've been reborn in so many, many ways. So to go back to these places where they were kind of my roots right in my early 20s, right in the early stages of my journey with everything, to see these places and to see they still exist, but I am so transformed, yet they're still here standing. It was really surreal. And also to see that over the two weeks that I was there, I reconsidered everything I said I would never do before. Like I would never go back to Chicago or I'd never want to be in the cold or I'd never want to be in America. Like all these things I said I'd never want as the mind in me, all these preferences. Okay, so that's what it is. So season four, Jess, had a billion preferences. I wanted this over that. I wanted this over that. And whenever your mind has a preference, the mind that creates the preference often has some subtle or huge level of resistance to not having the preference. That's the non-allowing aspect. And that's what Abraham's dealing with with everyone that they're working with is they have the resistance to not having their preference. <laughs> and so that was kind of the exhausting part of the shiny yellow phase of season four, Abraham Jess, is all these preferences because they're created in the mind also create resistance to not having those preferences. And so this last journey, like traveling since June, has been this back and forth and back and forth in the mind about all of these preferences and the universe's experiences that it showed me have brought me to other experiences, situations, and happenings that all showed me that what I thought I wanted, if another situation or circumstance was present, I would allow, I would change that I would do it differently. I would let go of that preference that I, I had to have. And if it was the right other situation, that first preference no longer mattered to me. So here I was in Chicago and for the first week of it thinking, you know what, I could move back to Chicago. I could deal with the cold. I could deal with being back in the US. Like all these things I said I never wanna do as I had all these preferences before, I watched myself change the mind, changed its stance on everyone. And so then I realized as I walked on that final walk, I was like, I have no idea. I felt like the way I describe it is like a cattail. Have you guys ever seen a cattail in the water? It's like one of those reeds that's tall and very, very flexible and it bends in the wind. I felt like you could throw myself, the cattail, any direction whatsoever. Even the skin thing, I was like, you know what? It's been breaking out more recently. And I was like, 
I used to say that I needed the clear skin in the mind so that the mind could be accepted by other partners' minds. So it was a lot about dating and beauty. And yes, like the regular people that I interact with on a daily basis, I think would also prefer you know, my skin to be clearer, but especially a partner. And then I went on this walk, this cattail walk, and I was like, you know what? If the skin is going to do this and it's going to not go away right now, then my partner is going to have to have epic compassion for the skin. Like they're just going to have to have epic compassion for the skin because I've done everything I possibly can. I've removed every food again. I just, I can't do anymore. They're going to have to have compassion for me. Like I can only have for myself at this point because they don't, in the mind know what to do more. And I don't need more product recommendations or anything else. It's just at this point, a total surrender game. Like I'm doing the best I can with all of the years of research and all of the many, 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 many things I've done. But anyways, I start walking around and I'm like, yeah, even the skin, the partner, you want me to be single universe, fine. You want me to be with a partner, fine. You want me to be in Chicago, fine. You want me to be in the US, fine. I give up, like I, no more, surrender, total let go. So that was what I think that Chicago experience was there to provide, but it was a whole little journey in and of itself to then go through it, have the initial euphoria of thinking, you know, maybe the partners come along after all, and then to realize that wasn't it, and then to go through the mind's frustration about that, and then to get to this openness about preference. And basically everything I thought I knew, I didn't know anymore. So then I go back to Detroit because I had a hair appointment that I really love the hairstylist and colorist. There are two people out of New York that spend half their time at their village parlor salon in Detroit. And it's really amazing. The best haircuts and colors. No offense to anyone else I probably ever had. And I had this color appointment. And so since Mr. Chicago wasn't working out, I went back to Chicago. And actually, it was interesting. He said his inner voice was saying that I should, because we're trying to decide whether I stayed in Chicago or went back to Detroit. And he was like, yeah, I think for that weekend, you know, I think the going back to Detroit feels right. And so of course the ego of me, the mind did not like that, but ultimately then got around to it. And so I did do the Detroit thing. So I go to the coloring appointment. And then I remember this friend that I have that lives in Detroit and tell him, you know, hey, I'm in town. If you want to meet up, we can hang out. And he was totally down with it. So we went to all these restaurants I'd heard great things about that I hadn't gone to before. And I was just like more and more amazed. We ended up going to this cocktail bar I shared on Instagram about. It's called Bad Luck. Okay, we went to t- like out twice, like what on Friday and Saturday nights. I just have to tell you guys about the cool things that are happening in Detroit. One place we went to the first night was like a great restaurant. And then next to it was this, I forget the name of it, Motto or something like that. It's a fragrance store that turns into a cocktail bar at night. And at night they put the fragrances, since they're all natural, in your cocktails. It's just amazing. And then the next night we went to a different awesome restaurant, the best Thai food I've ever had in my life. And it's one of the best restaurants in the world I've ever been to. And God knows I've been around the world to the best fancy places in London and Sydney and so many other places like <laughs> I was amazed so this amazing Thai food and then we went to this cocktail bar it's a kind of a speakeasy in the you know in the alley I've been to probably six or seven of them in the world but this one was exceptionally cool and it had a cocktail first of all there's a $200 cocktail but I didn't get that I got the $45 cocktail which is still probably the most I've ever spent on a cocktail but it came with edible gold on the outside of the rim and a tarot card reading it came with a tarot card on top and the waiter came and read the reading to me. It was so cool. So I was just like, this is in Detroit. This is just, it's getting cooler and cooler. I've watched it every year progress since I left. And every time I come back, there's more and more to do. Getting your aura photographed. There's new restaurants opening up all the time. There's so many new buildings coming in. They have a Madewell showing up soon, which I was like, all right, all right, Detroit. Okay, I see you. All right, this is so cool. So anyways, like I said a few weeks ago, before this, considered Detroit as an option just as a base somewhere else to also have in the Northern Hemisphere, but it didn't flow then. Oh, and let me also say, there's a totally another tangential thing to all of this that happened in Hawaii. So a few months ago in August, I was in Hawaii and I was having a conversation with Megan, our videographer, and I have been telling her and joking with her forever that she looks to me like she could be the daughter of the executive producer of the Oprah Winfrey show called Sherry Salata. I've met Sherry 
Megan looks like Sherry's daughter or like they're somehow related. It's crazy. But I've always believed in Megan's ability to run things, see things and execute in such a wonderful way. And I always used to joke with her back when I sold the house and she was doing the home tour vlogs and stuff like that with me, that she could be the Sherry Salata. And I've always created the work that I do for you guys here for the same reason that Oprah does her work. Not that I ever am going to ever be Oprah, (laughs) but that I have the same mission and impact that I'd like to have. And Oprah was the reason I started everything that I do. And so I always said, you know, I just felt like she could do that. And so we had this fun conversation in August and all of a sudden out of the blue, we just start talking somehow about doing a TV version of The Lively Show. And now TV, not being on ABC at 4 p.m., like I grew up with Oprah, but doing a video show that could be aired online, most likely through YouTube or something like that, something along those lines. But what we would do, and this is where this is different than any show I've ever seen, is we'd have the live freaking studio audience because to me, what the Oprah show, I grew up watching that stuff on the treadmill. It was that most aligning part of my life growing up. And it was at 4 p.m. And I would sit on that treadmill after school running clapping with the audience as they lost their minds when Oprah walked on stage. Like I loved it. And what I realized was that one of the major aspects and elements of the Oprah show was the audience. It was the community. And so when I want to think about doing this, this isn't like, oh, I fill myself in a room with two chairs. Like there's been many shows like that that are really well done and greatly executed. But what I want to do is get that freaking studio audience, which is AKA you listening to this. If your inner being feels that this would be fun to meet a hundred plus other live show listeners and lose your minds and have fun aligning together and get to meet each other and hang out and do things together and have fun conversations and uplift and inspire each other. If that sounds fun to you, that sounds really fun to me. And that's the kind of show I want to do. And so we started talking about it and she found she lives in Pittsburgh and she knows of a great, great studio that's perfectly designed for the large size of there's 140 seats in the studio. If I had to design a studio, it would be very similar to this one. It has community space outside of it, it has food trucks for people to have at lunch. So all of this kind of starts to unfold and we just get excited about this idea and this possibility, which I'll tell you guys, it's happening. January 19th is our first taping day. So when we have the tickets and the registration open for you guys, I'll let you know. But we're so excited about it. We're going to tape three or four episodes in the day. So there'll be like basically a full day uh, session, if you will. So you'll be with us for the full day. There'll be a break in the middle in between um, for lunch. And then you guys will be able to hang out with each other and connect in the evening. And you guys can like travel there. You can Airbnb together. There's there's so many unlimited possibilities in what that's going to become. But anyway, so what I realized even in August, this is before Detroit, and this kind of went into my whole, like, let's call a few places in Detroit as an opportunity to have a base up north, even though I'd still plan to have Sydney at that point. I thought, actually, no, it was kind of open-minded, right? I had surrendered in June about Sydney, and I realized if I was still so stuck on that plan, there's no way I'd consider doing a TV show in Sydney. There's just 20 million people in that country that's the size of Texas. There's And then like getting Americans to fly in every month or every few months to do it, it's just not feasible. I would not consider doing the show if I was actually based in Sydney full time. I just wouldn't. So that was actually very interesting. So this is kind of factoring into this whole weekend here in Detroit that I'm now zooming us back forward, fast forwarding us back to last weekend. So I'm in Detroit. I'm having these amazing experiences. I'm thinking, you know what? This is so cool. And I told my friend, look, I tried to find a place here a few weeks ago and nobody got back to me. So, you know, I'm letting it go. I'm not fighting the universe ever again on anything. So, no, I'm not going to do it. But I did say that I was interested and that I had been interested, but I didn't get any callbacks. I was flying to London on Sunday with no plan to come back to the U.S. anytime soon because it was going to be London and then Sydney for the winter. That was my big plan. And an Abraham cruise, which was happening this week in Greece, but I'm not going on that for reasons you'll find out in a second. Man, I hope you guys are enjoying all of these details, but you can see the flow in this. And you can see where I fought this. You can see where I surrendered in this. You can see how things unfolded because of even the things where I fought or surrendered or unfolded. And this is like Chicago has like totally opened my mind. Or what I did know is that the mind could deal with any outcome given the right circumstances. 
that's what Chicago's walk taught me is my mind can deal and deal with anything it thinks it has a preference to. It'll override that preference in the right circumstances. So that was a big, really special moment for me as the mind to get to is this real flexibility, this real non-resistance to what is. But it wasn't to say like, I'm willing to do something I'd massively hate. It just was saying that I can find alignment even when certain preferences aren't upheld because other ones are in a magical way I never would have planned before. So we do these fun nights and then I have this great idea to watch movies on Sunday. And for personal reasons, we decided not to. And I had no plans between the hotel checkout at 11 a.m. and 10 p.m. on Sunday. So we don't end up watching the movies. I wanted to watch Lord of the Rings. Haven't seen the series. And I thought that would be fun, but we didn't end up doing it. And I totally was like surrendered, you know, surrender season. So <laughs> surrendered to it, totally fine. But then I was like, all right, well, if that plan that the mind had made is not going to work, then I've got to let go again. I got to go back to the inner voice thing. I'm going to do that surrender thing like I did in Michigan, eating my meal and watching Modern Family. I've just got to surrender this day. But the Modern Family eating the meal day, I was cozy. I was in Diana's house. I was happy. Like no matter what was going to show up, like I already had some place to be and do something that I already liked as I watched for the next unfolding to happen. But here I was in Detroit and I had my luggage stored at the hotel, but I had nothing and nowhere to be for 12 hours. I just like literally I went to one brunch at Folk and I had nothing to do. So then after that, I just went to another brunch. I brunched again. I went to another place. Thankfully, I was hungry. (laughs) So when we went alone to a second brunch, I double brunched. Now, like I said, so many people that have lives that are so busy and crazy, this is probably like you, you probably like want to have my life right now. Just for a week of it, it would be so great. But you got to understand like not the grass is always greener, but like put yourself in a situation where you've been alone for three years. You've traveled the world out of a suitcase for two of them. You then wanted to make a place and you decorated it beautifully, but then the universe is like making this difficult and you don't know why. And you just keep going and going and you're on month four of travel. So it's not that much fun to travel anymore, but you know you're not ready to go back yet and you don't know why. So like that's a very different place to be than like, oh my God, I'd love to go double brunching alone for like 40 minutes of my very busy week. This is like such a different experience for the mind and me to have. It's a beautiful experience, no doubt, but it's just emotionally not the same situation that other people might have in that opportunity. So then after the second brunch, I can't eat any more food. So I'm literally walking the streets of Detroit alone, (laughs) just aimlessly walking basically in circles. Actually, I didn't get to circles yet at this point. I was just walking down the street. And it was funny because they had the streets closed for this special, like they do this every month. I forget the name of it, but they close down the street so that people can walk and bike on the street. So I'm literally walking on the street and people are doing fun things and having festivities and stuff, but I don't feel like meeting a random stranger for a day. I'm going to London. Oh yeah. And I can also tell you that the mind in me and all of this thought, you know what I could do? Maybe instead of pursuing a visa that's so permanent in Sydney, now that the TV show's on the table, maybe I'll go to London. Yeah, I didn't tell you guys this. So then the mind of me was thinking about London being the new location. And then I thought, well, they have a direct flight to Pittsburgh. So I could go back to Pittsburgh on a regular basis very easily from London versus Sydney, which would be like a 24-hour trek every time I went. So this is what I'm thinking is that, all right, had a fun weekend in Detroit, but Detroit didn't flow. I'll go to London and I'll get a visa there and see if that flows. But it has to be easy, but maybe it'll flow there. And I'm wandering the streets of Detroit and my friend Maggie calls. So I talk to Maggie. I have a great time chatting with her. And then then I start walking in circles, just talking to her on the phone. And as I do, the friend I had hung out with that weekend, I'd showed him my place in Sydney and the places I stay in London. So he had a feel of my taste in design and stuff. And so he finds this listing because he's in commercial real estate. So he was looking at residential real estate, I guess, at the time. But he sends me a link while I'm talking to Maggie for a property. And I, oh, I should also say, the whole weekend I saw so many aligned numbers and every time I was with this friend, I kept seeing the numbers 44 on the phone, like on the time. So it was like 144, 744, 644, 844. Kept seeing 44s. Now I have talked about aligned numbers, but I've never seen a very specific number multiple times so repeatedly, but this time it was fours. And so 
this link he sends is a real estate link. I look at it and it's a property and it's interesting. The picture's like pretty cool, but like not amazing. Sydney's got the best pictures of anywhere in the world. Their property photos are 10 times usually better than the property itself. But so I'm used to that kind of property listing where you're like, this looks like a dream, but then you get in it and it's not quite a nightmare, but it's definitely not a dream. Well, in this situation, I look at the property photos and then I see a lot of aligned numbers in the square footage and the bathrooms and bedrooms are two and two and the address has all fours in it. <laughs> and I'm like, interesting. And then I'm thinking, you know what? It's Sunday afternoon. I'm going to London tonight. I've got like four hours left in Detroit and then I'm never coming back. Like those people three weeks ago didn't even get back to me in weeks of time later, let alone on a Sunday afternoon at 3 p.m. But anyways, since there was aligned numbers and the square footage and the, you know, like the square footage is 1616, the, you know, the fours in the address, the two, two, I was like, all right, this is a lot of alignment. What, what the hell? I'll just dial a number and it can't hurt to call the agent. So I call and I leave a voicemail and I'm like, oh, told you. The mind's like, told you so. It's not going to happen. You're leaving. Like, even if they get back to you, you'll be in London by then. You'll never be able to see it in person. But I tell my friend that and I was like, yeah, I called, but it, they didn't pick up. He goes, oh, yeah, I know that agent. I think he'll get back to you. <laughs> so like 10 minutes later, the agent gets back to me and I said, yeah, I'm leaving today, but you know, I'm sure there's like the people living in it, like I can't see it or whatever. And he goes, no, 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 I can be there in 20 minutes and they're not living in it. I have got the keys. So literally I get off the call with the guy and then I get in an Uber to go meet this agent I just spent like one second talking on the phone with and I walk through and unlike the Sydney listings, this place is actually better than the photo suggested. And this place magically also is the same layout as my Sydney place plus 600 square feet. And one of the big things that I don't love about my Sydney place is the kitchen because it totally hasn't been renovated and I would have loved to do it with white, brass, and marble, of course. Well, this place has a white, brass, and marble kitchen. It's already like as if the universe designed the kitchen that I had in my mind for me and put it in this place with the same layout with an extra guest room slash podcast room. And instead of a patio balcony that looks at battleships like I have in Sydney, this one's got a like basically like a mini backyard. The patio is not even a patio. It's more like a little non-grassy yard on the top of a building in a really, really great part of town. 10 minute walk from the Whole Foods and like there's a dog park next door and it's just all these things. And I and it's funny because I had this desire in the mind. I have this beautiful crystal and I always thought it'd be beautiful like over the summer thinking about designing a bathroom designed around a crystal. I don't know why, but the inspiration of that just seems so fun for me. The one part of this property that I wasn't crazy about being perfect was the master bath. And it was so neutral and un like it was all builder basic. That was the only part of the unit where they hadn't really gone beyond the builder basic. But that's exactly what I want because I would love to decorate the bathroom and redo it to the design of the crystal. So anyways, I see it and I'm really impressed by it. And I tell the guy, you know, I'm leaving right now at the end of the day. So then I meet up with my friend. We talk about all the ideas and the possibilities of it. And then I fly to London and I end up putting an offer in for just under asking, of course, with the four fours in it, because I keep seeing all these four fours. And then I have to get a banker because I have to get approved. So because I haven't done any of this work, by the way, this has all been like so, you know, flowing and up in the air and whatever. So I get a listing of banks that they recommend. This is usually not an exciting part of a story, but just, again, enhances the flow aspect of it. My friend recommends the first bank because he, as a commercial real estate agent in the city that's been in Detroit for his entire career, knows everything about it, says, call this one. And so I call that person. And in their cell phone number, of course, there's fours. The same address is repeated in the, the four numbers are in the cell phone number. So I'm like, well, that's a good sign. So I call him and he's like, oh, now this bank is located in Midland, Michigan, which is like four hours away from Detroit. So nowhere close by. But he goes, oh, I just moved into the same building. I saw you leave with the agent yesterday. What the what? The fact that like this agent calls me back, he walks me through it. And then as we're leaving, the banker that I'm eventually going to work with like three days later is actually just moved into the building himself and saw me. And then, OK, fine, he moved into the building. But he happened to look out the window when I was leaving with the real estate agent. 
what the what? Like, this is the most magical unfolding ever. So I put in the offer at just under the asking at with the four, just because I wanted purely the aligned numbers of fours because they had been everywhere in this whole experience. So, and by the way, the friend that sent me the listing, I realized last night, has the numbers four, four in his cell phone number too. So it's just like fours are everywhere in all of this unfolding. And it's been like the universe has been guiding me to this. And then I get to London and I'm so excited about this property and everything. And I realize what I think of my inner being, the higher self, not the mind, not the Jess, the Abrahamster. No, no, no. The higher version of myself, I think, has been guiding me all along. And it wanted me to grow up in Michigan. I don't know if this is true in the mind. I don't know if this is true. But what I feel right now is that it's possible. It's a possibility. Or at least it's a story that feels really good and gives me goosebumps when I think about it, in the mind at least, that maybe I was supposed to grow up in Michigan. And maybe I was supposed to then leave it and do all these other things, have all of these other experiences. And maybe I was supposed to travel the world and get literally live in the best places in the world. I'm moving to Detroit because it's, it has as cool of places as the rest of the world. And most people don't realize that about the city, but it does. Like I just told you about a few of the places and I have a community in Ann Arbor, 45 minutes away. That's still very dear to me. My friends there are still wonderful. And I think the universe like took me to the best thinkers and like the consciousness stuff and all the things I've explored. And now it wants me to come back. It wants me to bring the world to Detroit. And in that, I say that in two levels. It wants me to bring my point of view that I've gotten from being a world citizen, from experiencing things in Sydney and London and beyond in Bali and Costa Rica and Eckhart Tolle and Joe Dispenza and all of these things and all of the cafes. My God, how many cafes have I been in? A billion. Have I have like lived in cafes everywhere in the world? It wants me to take all of these things and bring them to my own home state into a city that's in the middle of its own rebirth. It's being reborn. It's never going to be what it once was in all the ways. It's got so much potential. When I look at Detroit, I look at a renovation project that has just gotten started and they're bringing in the cool stuff now. Like it's seen such a level of different lifetimes and experiences in the same place but what's coming in now is so optimistic and bright. And also, as I'm bringing the world back based on my life experiences and all those sorts of things, the opportunities there, if it flows magically, if, now I've learned, if it flows magically like the condo, I have so many business ideas for what I can do in Detroit. One of them is to have a building of Airbnbs that I decorate so you guys can come stay in them. One of them is to, if this TV show thing goes well, to create a co-working studio space slash like community space, event space for events in the city that you guys, so you could come to the show when we do episodes, but you could stay in our Airbnb loft so I could decorate. I mean, my God, have I lived out of Airbnb enough? I know what an Airbnb needs. I've lived in them for years and then have a cafe because God knows I've lived in cafes for the rest and like have alignment books on the wall and the whole thing is going to be amazing and beautiful with rose petals on the avo toast like all the things like this is like all of the experiences I've gotten from the world if the universe wants me to do them and they magically flow together I could do all of that so when you guys come you can explore all of the amazing things happening in Detroit that are already there that are independent and unique and wonderful and I can bring my own flavor and experiences to the city too like the cafe if it flows the lofts or the Airbnbs the lively lofts if it flows and the studio the place for us to all connect the place for us to do the show the place for us to all commune together so if those things flow, they will in magical ways, and I'm sure I'll share them. But for now, I, what I also kind of love is that the universe gave me this apartment for me. Like I didn't move there for those aspects. And the other thing, let me also say, that I think the universe, so also when I say the world's coming to Detroit, you guys are listeners all over the world. So for you guys to come to the show is literally for the world to come experience Detroit, which I am so excited to be an ambassador of and share with you guys. Every friend I keep telling you this about, they're like, oh my God, I can't wait to come. And I'm like, man, I really need these Airbnb units. So I have a place for all of these friends to come visit and stay. And 
The 10% of revenue that we donate to Pencils of Promise, I have loved and it's been a huge joy and journey to build. We've now funded three schools, Ghana, Guatemala, and Laos are the three locations. And now we're doing scholarships for that. And that is wonderful. However, I've also realized in all of this in the last week that there is a part of Detroit that still needs help there too. And that what we can do is, you know, I've had a privilege and I'm not saying I would never continue to support Pencils of Promise by any means, but I also know there's an opportunity to start giving back to the city itself, putting the money back in to the city itself. So not only can we do all the things I just shared, but also we can do like inner voice work in soup kitchens. We can invite a soup kitchen to the studio space so they can come experience the beauty of the space that we're going to create and provide. And also I have this idea of having creativity school where we teach 15 year old girls in the inner city how to make jewelry and start their own jewelry business like I did when I was 15 or teach them how to do facials so they could do facials for each other how they can make money and be creative and have their own companies so they can be at least in the awareness of how they can create a life for and through themselves they only need a $5 bag of beads just like I started with. So there's just so many exciting things. And also there's a whole nother thing that was born out of this whole week that is based in an opportunity to serve online. So there is a nonprofit avenue I'm pursuing, but I'm making sure the pieces are in place because it involves a few other organizations that I want to get connected to and get them on board with, but also in this, this whole idea also spawned this other avenue that would be where you would be benefiting the world as well. So anyways, yeah, all of this to say, the mind let go of all preferences. It felt like the cattail in the wind. I didn't go looking for this apartment. It literally was sent to me and against all conceivable odds about, you know, the Sunday afternoon and being able to see it and X, Y, or Z things. It has unfolded perfectly and and beautifully and seamlessly. And now I see all of the opportunities to, if it flows and the universe wants it to come through me, create these other aspects as well. And it came through surrender. It came through allowing. It never would have come through my mind. If you told my mind three years ago, you're going to travel the world for three years and then move back to Detroit, I would have thought you were joking. And my mind never would have picked this. My mind never would have picked this, but all I can tell you is that now I have a few weeks here in London and then I go to Sydney next week to sort out my stuff. If you're wondering about my stuff in Sydney, I have no idea what I'm going to do. I'm going to have movers come look at the stuff that I think I would like to take and the stuff I wouldn't, and we'll see what the costs are and weigh the, the pros and cons and see what will happen with that, see if it flows for the furniture to come or whether I'll sell or give it to people that I am friends with there. And yeah, I can just tell you that now I have a few weeks left in two of my favorite cities that I thought I'd once live in. And now all I can tell you is I'm excited to be in Detroit. I'm excited to see how this flows there. And I'm excited to share so much more with you. I feel like the mind is caught up with what possibly has been like the greater part of myself has been guiding me to all along. And it's this. Who knew it would be right where I began? The poetic nature of this cannot be understated. Also, by the way, I'm turning 34, so another four of all the fours. So in one week, I have a whole new life ahead of me. Like from last week on Sunday and that last Friday where I surrendered and like I said, okay, Chicago or not Chicago, boy or not boy, no matter what, like I'm fine, universe, lead me on. And then two days later, all of this unfolded. And what I love also to share with you guys is that this is unfolded first. It was a gift for me. I kind of joked that my soul gave me a birthday present of a condo to decorate. This was for me. I'm moving to Detroit for me. And yes, I was going to move to Chelsea, London, one of the poshest, nicest places in the world. I lived in like the nicest place in Sydney. And Sydney's one of the nicest places in the world. And I am just as excited for Detroit. Is it as built up as those other places? No, but that's what I love about it. It is an unending opportunity there. It has such a positive, uplifting vibe. I feel like this is like 
Austin was many years ago. When I went to Chicago, I kept feeling like how done. It was so complete. Chicago and places like New York always change. Like there's always things moving in and out. So businesses turn over. But in Detroit, it's just like the opposite. It's just open. It's just got space, but it has enough stuff there already to really have an awesome weekend for people to come to the show. And it's just going to keep going from here. And who would have thought, let's bring consciousness. Let's bring, there's already creativity and abundance there. But yeah, let's bring consciousness. Let's bring mindfulness. Let's bring the impact of the lively community with the outreach that we can do. Let's bring this to a city and a place that's had a lot of stuff happen to it in the past. But it's in a new place now. It's in the now and in this eternal now. It's got so much possibility. And I'm just excited to see how it unfolds in time. So yeah, thank you guys so much for listening to this. I now have shared, you know, the TV show with you guys. We have the condo. I have the move. Like now you guys know what's going on. There you have it. Thank you so much for listening and being on this epic journey. I can tell you, I think there's a lot more in store from here. (laughs) And I'm just so excited to be here with you. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And yes, I still plan to travel. Thankfully, even the weather in Detroit's not that great in the winter. So I do still plan to come back to Sydney and visit for the summers down there and so forth. So yeah, there's definitely still many opportunities for me to come enjoy my beloved London and Sydney and elsewhere, but also be able to create a place that you get to enjoy and a space that I am really excited to explore more with you called Detroit. So there you guys have it. Thank you so much. And if you want to find me on Instagram, Snapchat, or Twitter, you can find me at Jesse, as in coming to Detroit Lively. And for show notes for this episode, head over to JessLively.com slash 34 birthday, which is 3-4 birthday. And now for where I'm headed to next, next week I am headed to Sydney to sort out the stuff and to wrap things up there. And then I will be in mid-November heading back to Detroit to close on my amazing condo. Until next week, may something wonderful happen to you today. Today.